As we worship God, we have to learn how to worship God. As we worship God, we have to really enter into the presence. We cannot just worship God with our brain. It's not cerebral exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. So we have to enter into the presence of God. That's what worship is. Don't mind about people around you. Just you and God and people around you, we praise together. So we have to enter into the praise. And that is what we need to learn. Little by little, everyone enters into the praise of God, the presence of God. Today, I felt a little bit of that. And that's why Michelle says it's like concert. Because we are into it. We are engaged into the worship. The psalm we read today, it is a beautiful psalm. I want you to recite over and over again. Uh, when Simon sent email to the worship leaders, uh, what Simon said to them really captures the beauty of this psalm very well. He said, it touches on distress, faith, resilience, trust, peace, gladness, and more. In other words, this short psalm traverses the multitude of experiences we face in life. Yes, it traverses the multitude of experiences we face in life. It is a beautiful psalm. But what the writer of this psalm experienced at that time was not that beautiful. So we have to examine what the writer went through when he wrote this psalm. What was the background? What was he experiencing? What struggles did he have? This psalm Four is very much connected with Psalm 3. And Susan Gillingham, uh, the professor at Oxford University, said this psalm, these two psalms, Psalm 3 and 4, can be taken as twin psalms, very connected. You can see. When you read Psalm 3, you can see how much trouble the writer went through. Let me read it for you. This is Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no hope for you, no help for you in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again, for the Lord sustains me. I'm not afraid of tens of thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Rise up, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. This is Psalm 3. You can see that he was in a very, very stressful situation. He was attacked, criticized, and he was condemned by people. 
listen to his confession. He said, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying to me, there is no help for you in God. So when you read Psalm 3 in the Bible, uh, there is a little note at the top, and it says, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. When you're chased by your own son who tried to kill you, how could you be happy with your situation? How could that be a, a beautiful circumstance? I don't even want to think about it. You are being chased by your own son who's trying to kill you? I don't even imagine. I cannot even imagine that. It was a terrible situation. It probably was the most painful experience David had in his life. But from this horrible situation came out such a beautiful poem, beautiful prayer, beautiful song. That is the reality. From the worst situation, the most beautiful thing can come out. Usually beautiful things come from ugliest situation. Beautiful art, profound thinking, fabulous people, magical writing, they all often come from terrible and difficult situation. That is the reality. That is a silver lining of the hardships that we go through. When life is comfortable, we human beings don't think. When life is very good, our brain is not stimulated with creative ideas. We don't dig deeper. We just cannot enjoy the essence of life. We cannot taste life when life is comfortable. Yes, it's comfortable and secure, but we don't really taste what life is really like. But when life is difficult, we become very creative. Create, creativity blooms in the soil of hardship. When hardships come, our heart is ready to produce creative things. It creates cre creative juice and it, it is ready to produce creative things. But the problem is, we human beings, many of us, are so weak and fearful that we don't want hardships. We don't want problems. We want comfort and safety. We feel threatened. We are scared that we'll be destroyed. And we don't have enough confidence that we can handle the problems we face. We don't have that kind of confidence. We are so weak and frail. So we don't want problems. We want just security and comfort. That's why we live non-creative life, uncreative. I don't know whether that's... Uh, our life is not that creative. We just coast along. That is our problem. So, my friends, to live 
a creative life, the real life, we have to have confidence that we can handle our difficult situations. Without that confidence, the good life is not possible. We have to have the confidence that there are always the solutions to the problems we face. That kind of confidence. We should not shrink when we see the problems. See, our theme this year is open wide. It's not shrink. It is open wide. Last week, Simon preached a beautiful sermon about the power that expands and shared his own experience of expanding with all of us. It was hard to hear. Because we all go through hardships, vulnerability, weaknesses. But we need to expand. With confidence, we can expand our existence. Wasn't it the prayer of Jabez? This is prayer of Jabez. Oh, that you bless me and enlarge my border. And that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. Enlarge my border. I don't think he meant just the physical territory. He was not just talking about the land. He meant to expand his heart and expand his life. I often said at the Bible study, you can expand your heart only when your heart is torn apart. Otherwise, it doesn't expand. Only when that is torn apart and be healed by God, then our heart expands. If you want to live a creative life, you have to have confidence, period. If you want to have a really good life, you have to have confidence. Don't shrink yourself because of challenges, problems, failures, and criticisms. There are a lot of good traits about David. He is a wonderful man. But the most notable characteristic of David was his confidence. His confidence. Confidence was what defined David and made him, made David, David. That confidence was what distinguished him from all others. The best story that you know about David, or that shows the confidence of David, was his story with Goliath, his battle fight with Goliath. He had confidence in front of the huge and powerful enemy, Goliath. What David needed was not a bronze helmet, a coat of mail, and a big sword. What he needed was confidence. That's why when he went out to meet Goliath, he took off all those and he just took stones. His best weapon was not the sword. His best weapon was 
confidence. And he went out with that confidence. And we can see his confidence in Psalm 3. I'm not afraid of tens of thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. I'm not afraid, he said. In today's psalm, we can see his confidence too. Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Uh, distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Answer me. Be gracious to me. Hear my prayer. He uses the imperative mood. He almost tells God what to do. But it wasn't his arrogance, but his confidence. We shouldn't confuse the arrogance with confidence. It was not arrogance of taking God lightly, but it was confidence of a certain bond he had with God. Because he believed that God was with him, he could have this confidence. He said, you gave me room when I was in distress. Very interesting expression. You expanded me, in other words. You enlarged me when I was in distress. In distress, he didn't shrink. He experienced that distress expanded him. God gave him room. God made him bigger. He was cornered by people. People criticized him, insulted him, and made him feel small. But he didn't shrink. He was like Jesus. They did all kinds of evil against Jesus, but Jesus didn't shrink. He stood tall. Like David stood tall. He didn't let them intimidate him. He, we see him rather rebuked them. He said, how long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. People can hurt us by their criticisms and misunderstanding. There are some good criticisms, yes. And we need to listen to those good criticisms. And those good criticisms will help you greatly and make us grow. We can be bigger people when we are humble enough to listen and to take heed to those good criticisms. But not all criticisms are worth hearing because they, those criticisms are based on misunderstanding, prejudices, and false information. Instead of listening to their false accusations, we need to look to God. That was what David did. He received so many accusations and criticisms, but he didn't look at people. He looked to God. Listen, there are many who say, oh, that we might see some good 
let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. It is the same as what God instructed Moses to tell Aaron. We call it ironic blessing. Ironic blessing. We heard the beautiful chorus today of that song. I mean, thank you very much for accommodating. They had us something else for the uh, special music today, but I uh, asked them to do it on Thursday evening. Can you change this? Because this song will be so appropriate for our service. So I asked them, and then they are willing to. They well, sure, and they're so capable. We have so many capable people in our churches. So they sang so beautifully. And then let me read it again for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, that's a face, his countenance upon you and give you peace. God blesses us, keeps us, and makes his face to shine upon us. God will be gracious to us and give us peace. This God is always with us and we will be all right. Who can be against us? This gives us the confidence. Let us live with confidence. But confidence is not just your will. Oh, okay, I'm going to live with confidence. No, you can't do that. Only when you have faith, then real confidence is possible. And then our life will change. The darkness will move away and the light will shine upon us. It's not something that you can will to do it. When faith is cultivated, then confidence arises from the bottom of your heart. And then you can handle your problem with confidence. Just because you want to have it, you cannot have it. There has to be faith underneath that is cultivated within you. Then confidence is possible. It's a daily discipline, daily practice. So that when the troubles come, then confidence arises and stand against that and fight it. When the problems come, you cannot build confidence. In normal, ordinary time, you have to build confidence. Then problems come, you can fight it. I really like verse 7 and 8 of today's psalm. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and wine abound. I'll both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. Last week I was texting uh, with my son Josh. He told me that 
It wasn't when he had celebratory moments that he felt God closer and God's love. But it was when he went through hardships, he felt closer to God. So I texted him back that, I'm very glad that you are discovering the spiritual reality of life. There is a spiritual reality of life. The joy you get from the abundance of grain and wine is nothing compared to the joy God puts in your heart. It is the joy of faith, and it will never disappear from you. When you go through hard times, you will feel God more closely. Our body is made that way. Our spirit is made that way. When the dangers come, our body produces hormones to fight against it. In the same way, when we go through hardship, somehow we feel closer to God. We are made that way. That is the same joy St. Paul talked about when he said, Rejoice always. I will say it again, rejoice always. I'll both lie down and sleep in peace. How wonderful. How wonderful. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me lie down in safety. Every day if we can live like this. That's a wonderful. Reading this passage, I was thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today is the second Sunday after the Easter. And Psalm 4 is the evening psalm. Psalm 3 is the morning psalm. But Psalm 4 is the evening psalm. Evening means, to me, twilight years of our life. Twilight years of our life. When we go to sleep, trusting that God will keep us safe and give us rest, we can have a good sleep. Every evening, I leave everything to God. I do that process for about 30 minutes. I leave everything to God. And when I open my eyes, it's in the morning. I don't know how I fell asleep. For 30 minutes I prepare, leaving everything to God, and hit the pillow, and I don't know when I fell asleep. I wake up in the morning. And I hear the birds chirping sometimes. Joshua sent me this quote. Put in the work and wait on God. Put in the work and wait on God. How wonderful. How wonderful. You work hard. To, but in the evening, just leave everything to God. And wait on God. When we close our eyes, 
in our final day, if we do that with that attitude, we'll wake up in the new world in the morning and face a bright morning with our Lord, Jesus Christ. That is a hope of resurrection Jesus gave us. My friends, with the Lord, you'll be all right. Have confidence. In whatever you do, have confidence. When the evening comes, leave everything to God and have a good sleep, good rest. Next morning, we'll wait for you. And you wake up, start again. You live like that for the rest of your life. And then when you sleep the last night, the next morning, you'll be with the Lord. Let us sing together. <laughs>